Well, the most compelling thing about any church is not its programs or its buildings or its plans or past, but many churches, and I think sometimes us, we're tempted to take our cues from the world in terms of how church should be. We use the measuring sticks that the world uses to measure church life. And we want to cast ourselves as Christian versions of what's celebrated in our world. But the irony is the world cannot do what God's word can do. The world cannot lift people into faith, expectancy, confidence and joy in God. And that's what we have in Psalm 23. We have a spirit of faith. And I think a spirit of faith, a trust in God from his word, that's what makes church compelling. The sense that we really belong to Jesus and that we're forgiven by him, that we're cared by him and we're being led by him And this psalm breathes this kind of reality. The psalms as a whole really speak about God's greatness and his nearness, his kindness and his care. And the psalms really present to us a way of living, even in our sadness, that is lived before God, in knowledge of him, close to him, with him as our comfort and with him as our carer. And a sense of, really, who he is and the heart of his glory. I think that's what makes a church captivating. Not necessarily what we do, but how we trust the Lord Jesus, that we know that we belong to him, that he's forgiven us, that we're cared by him and that he leads us. And if ever there was a psalm to do that, it's Psalm 23. This is a famous and well-known psalm for many reasons, but it's a psalm that I think can be so important for us this year. What's interesting about this psalm is that there's actually no obvious sense of community in this psalm. Uh, The pronoun we is not mentioned once. The singular pronouns I, me, my are mentioned 16 times in six verses. So is this the kind of psalm for the selfish narcissist? Well, no. This psalm is wonderful because what it reminds us is that we all are going to encounter hardship. There are going to be wonderful moments in our lives. But there are going to be difficult moments and this psalm reminds us that we're not alone. There are moments when we are alone, aren't there? Uh, Perhaps you're being wheeled into an operating theatre. The lights are bright in your eyes. There's that kind of hive of activity around you, but your family isn't there. You have to face it alone. And in that kind of situation, you really want to know Jesus personally. See, those moments of hardship, those moments of being alone, really make clear to us now, today, right in this moment, they make clear what we need to know. Is there a sense in your heart where you can say, 
in those moments, he is my shepherd. I have everything I need. See, Psalm 23 is an invitation for us this year to live the kind of life that is lived before God and close to him, with him, the Lord Jesus, as our shepherd. What I want to do is give a bit of an overview and then we're going to have a look at this psalm in three sections. Because this psalm is, is famous for that image of God as our shepherd. But there are actually a number of different in, images and indeed scenes within this psalm. Firstly, there is that image of the sheep and the shepherd there in verses 1 to 4. God is the shepherd and we are his sheep. But did you notice that in verse 5 it actually changes? The scene or the camera angle changes and the Lord is now a host and we are his guests. And as you know, um, perhaps that hospitality was very, very important to those in an ancient culture for which this psalm was written. Hospitality was more than just feeding a mouth and fueling a body. It had this, this social authority around it. And here in verse 5, God is, is pictured as this host putting on this banquet and we are those who are like travellers, perhaps fugitives, who have come before him in this meal. Marcus Lateral knew something of this. In 2005, uh, he was a special forces soldier and he was inserted with three others into an area of Afghanistan in order to capture a Taliban leader. But very early on in their mission, they were actually ambushed and his three teammates were killed. And in the ensuing battle, Marcus Lateral was left unconscious. He had a number of fractures. He had a broken back and shrapnel wounds. He was even in and out of consciousness. As he regained consciousness, the enemy, the Taliban, was pursuing him. There he is wandering. And he wanders into this village. And this village is a Pashtun village. And there within Pashtun culture is this code. They call it Pashtunwali. And Pashtunwali is this sense of this village's honour is caught up in how they welcome and care for and show hospitality to a stranger. And so what did this Taliban village do? Well, they took in this injured soldier and he became their guest and it was their honour to protect and care for him. And the Taliban came after him. So what did this village do? They took on the Taliban because though they, never, though they had never ever met this man before, he was their guest and their honour was on the line. Here is that sense in verse 5 of the protective and generous hospitality. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's the second scene, the host and his guests. The third scene is there in verse 6, and it changes where the Lord God is there and the psalmist is his worshipper, or we, as readers of this psalm, are his worshippers. The metaphor kind of disappears. It's not the metaphor of a sheep and a shepherd. It's not the metaphor of a host and his guest. 
No, this is no language of metaphor at the very end of this psalm. This is reality. Here, the house of the Lord is not his home. It's not his three-bedroom semi-detached. Here, it is his temple where the blood of the lamb is brought and those people are brought safely into his presence. See, to be God's sheep, it's good. It's good to be tended and cared for. To be his guest in his house is even better, but to be with him in his presence, that is the best of all. So we're going to have a look at this psalm in those three scenes. So firstly, there in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I shall not want. It's often translated. Notice what is not said there. What's not said there is I do not desire. What it means when it says I lack nothing is I have everything I actually need, even if I want more. See, this is a wonderful reality for us to be reminded of this morning because the Lord Jesus is committed to each and every one of us. He's committed to us and he's involved with us. Even when we're not thinking of him. I know often holidays is that time and there's lots of good things. Perhaps you're away from church and our thoughts possibly aren't captured by God as much as they normally are. Well, this psalm is a reminder that we're not, we may at times not be thinking of him, but he is thinking of us. He cares for us and therefore we are content with that. Our lives might be busy. They might be hard. We might be misunderstood. But because of the Lord Jesus, our lives are ultimately with him. If the Lord is my shepherd, you know what I'm not, do, not doing? I'm not freaking out about what the future might hold. If the Lord is my shepherd, I'm in his settled care. If the Lord is my shepherd, my heart is thankful, as we saw last week. God's word gives us this sense time and time again. In Psalm 81, it says this, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. From John chapter 1, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And at the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, it says this, Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. See, here we have, in verse 1, familiar words, perhaps to some of us, to many of us. But they are a great reminder that God is not holding out on us. He's not holding back from us. He's not keeping his blessing in a storehouse until we've earned it. The Lord Jesus is far more than we ever need. And he's beyond what we ever could ask and imagine. Psalm 23 is saying you can have him. You can have all of him. In fact, he gives himself personally. That's what the cross of the Lord Jesus is about. It's a demonstration of who God is and his commitment to each and every one of us. See, who 
Does God give himself in this kind of way? Who does he give himself to? Well, it's the undeserving. Only the undeserving. See, what, what if we could begin this year with Psalm 23 in our minds? What if we could begin the year not with a scarcity mindset, but with that of abundance, that God wants to actually make his fullness known and known through us? Where do we start? Well, if you're like most people, if you're like me, where do we start? We start with our problems. We start with our difficulties. We start with all our needs. And sometimes I think we come to God like we're coming to a leaking tap. There we have our cup. And here we come to God with it empty, thinking of everything that's hard and everything that's wrong. And there we are just waiting for the drip, 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 not knowing when the next will come. And sometimes it's just this painful and frustrating sense of a meagre drip, drip, drip. But Psalm 23 reminds us, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus reminds us, that in Christ we have not a meagre drip, but we have rivers of living water. Christ in you, the fullness of grace and truth. The Lord is my shepherd. And there are times, I think, and there will be times this year, when we don't feel like the Lord is our shepherd. There might be times where you've experienced this in your Christian life where you feel actually quite overlooked and you don't feel cared for and perhaps you even feel abandoned. And sometimes what we do when we feel like that is we actually blame God for that. But when we're in that moment, it's a good place to ask ourselves the question, is God our shepherd? Or who are the other shepherds in our lives? We like to be shepherded by our own control of our lives, our success, wealth, status. We like to be shepherded, cosy up to the warm idea that life will be easy. The only shepherd out there is the risen Lord Jesus. And the way back to him is to let go of every false hope, of all those false shepherds. See, what does your heart this morning need to lose so that today you might find that the Lord is your shepherd? So firstly, the Lord is our shepherd. Secondly, the Lord is our host and we are his guests. You see that in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So now we see the the shift here in verse 5. And I wish it weren't true, but it is, that if you love the Lord Jesus, the consequence often of loving the Lord Jesus is that we will have enemies in this world. And the Bible is actually really real about this. It says that all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This is standard issue for the Christian. And what this verse is saying is that there is those enemies present in our lives. It's not a promise right now that those enemies will disappear. 
But what it is a promise is that their opposition cannot block his support, no matter how powerful they are, no matter who they are. You see, if Jesus is wonderful to us, then often people will resent that. They see it as a threat and they'll want to thrust us out. But here we have a promise that when they thrust us out, guess who will bring us in? See, what is this describing in verse 5? Is it, is it real? Is it just nice-sounding but empty kind of poetry that you know, religious people like to read? No, verse 5 is describing God's strategy of caring for your soul. This is how he does it. This is how he cares for those he loves. See, do you feel loved by God now? I mean, perhaps you do. You're at church. It's kind of a good time to feel like that. But there will be moments when you don't. And I know that there have been times where I, I haven't felt close to God. I've known really good truth about God, but I haven't felt close to God. And over time, he's brought me through those moments and those stages. And you know what? This is what I know. I didn't think my way out of that. I didn't pray my way out of it. I didn't behave and obey my way out of it. I can't explain it except that he brought me in and he sheltered me and I didn't deserve it. And he anointed me with oil and he filled my cup when I had nothing but my need. And I know that there are so many of us here, here present and those online who can tell stories like that, of how God has cared for them and how he's brought, and how he's brought them in and he's brought them to this sacred place. See, sometimes we ought to thank God for those enemies because they bring us to that kind of special place close to him. And he can do this. In fact, we read in the scriptures that God promises to do this. If you feel abandoned, lonely or lost, that might be the very road that God uses to draw you close to him. See, Satan is not the only accuser of God's people. He's also the accuser of Christ. And he often slips into our thoughts that it's, it's God's fault what's happening to you. But you know the wonderful thing? Is because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, when you blame God or if you blame God, he's not mad at you. His heart, I think, is grieved. And I think he wants to take us in. And God loves the kind of prayer, that desperate prayer, often that we read in the Psalms, the desperate prayer that says, I, I can't by myself, God, pull myself out of this. I can't come any closer by my own means. I can't come any closer other than you drawing me closer to you. So would you do that? Would you do that with cords of love and kindness? Bring me close to you. God loves to hear that prayer. Thirdly, finally, and briefly, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice there in verse 6, it's not our goodness and mercy that's going to carry us. 
but his. In this final scene, we have the climax, really, of the psalm. His shepherd, great. At his table in his house, better. But here, close to him and with him, is best. I, I think verse 6, in many ways, as it is really the Old Testament way of saying what the book of Romans says in chapter 8, that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And his goodness and mercy right now, today, and in the weeks to come and in the year ahead, his goodness and mercy will follow us. Not, not his wrath and judgment, but his goodness and mercy will follow you. And that, if you want to look there in verse 6, there's a really important verb there, a really important word. It looks kind of plain and ordinary, but that word follow is crucial. Because what's behind that word follow is this incredible sense of determined pursuit. This following isn't God kind of staying around us, catching up with us. This following is the kind of following where God is chasing you down. The Lord God is the one who doesn't wait for his worshippers to come to worship him. Our God is the kind of God that comes to us. He goes to us. He finds us. He chases us down and he brings us back in and he does it again and again. He'll bring us back in. And then he'll bring us back in. And then he'll bring us back in. And then he'll bring us back in. And he will do this as many times as it takes, such that there is no shadow of death, that there is no threat of enemy, and not even the impulse of our hearts will want to wander from him. See what it is to be a worshipper? It's not a duty. It is a delight. It's a delight to worship the God who has come for us, knowing who we are, knowing what we've done, knowing our neglect of him, but knowing his delight of us in the Lord Jesus. The English poet Francis Thompson wrote this poem in the 1890s called The Hound of Heaven. Anyone heard of the poem? Yeah, it was really influential in um, J.R. Tolkien's life, actually. And, and I think you can see it played out in The Lord of the Rings, this sense of God being after us. And it starts in this way. The poem starts like this. It says, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. See, that is the crazy in all of us. That's the fallenness in all of us, that we can run from the God who has made us and the God who loves us. But here is the gospel of Lord Jesus. This is what Psalm 23 is reminding us, that he is running to us. This is what we love as a church about the Lord Jesus. And this is what will sustain us this year, that he's our shepherd, that he will come and seek out those lost sheep. We want to reach kids. We want to reach families. We want to reach everyone in our community. And God is at work pursuing them.
It is his business that we work with him in. But he is chasing them down as he has chased us down. He's not just our our shepherd. We don't love Jesus because he's just our shepherd. He is our host. He honours us. That's what the pouring of oil signifies. It was the very most treasured and special of guests. He pours oil upon each and every one of us and we must remember that when we feel like nothing and we feel terrible and we've got nothing that we can contribute, remember, see it in your mind's eye, that he pours the oil, the gospel, on our heads. He wants us here because we have something to do. We have a role. We have an ability. We have an opportunity. We love the Lord Jesus because he's our shepherd. He's our host. And he'll fill us up and protect us, but he is also our God who will spend eternity enjoying forever in loving intimacy. Jesus says, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the ages. Amen.